basically what's her name what's uh, oh my god i can't remember her name either <laughs> uh, for some reason my mind is saying blair but her name is not blair what beck <laughs> beck oh! okay okay so it was a b okay i feel better at least it wasn't here's johnny everyone welcome to our podcast i know we've been on a little bit of a hiatus um, <laughs> school is rough. school is beating <laughs> us up bro <laughs> i'm trying know, my best dude. but this um online schooling this distance bro, schooling it's the emotional toll it takes on me it's the lack of socializing that's killing me yes yeah but we're not here to talk about that no, no, no. we're here to talk about spooky season it's spooky season (laughs) i'm so excited it's so i'm so happy it's here i've got a halloween costume already i've got oh really yes my sister made it for me i'm so excited to wear it i'm so anyway (laughs) what are you dressing up as i'm dressing up as meg from hercules Oh my god, wow. I was like, that'll be fun. And you know, that's so liven cool. up everything after this very hectic <laughs> mess of a season. But it's spooky season, and I'm excited because, you know, this is the time where, you know, it's haunting, it's creepy. We get darker themes here on this podcast, get into some spooky shows. Yes. Which is kind of what our show of this week is about, but let's get into the news. Indeed. So on some not really spooky news, but to me, super interesting, The Mandalorian Season 2 is going to be released on October 3rd, 2020. And let me tell you, I am so excited. I love Star Wars. I just, I don't know, I love sci-fi. I think I've talked Mm -hmm. about this before. I'm a sci-fi like nerd or whatever, not really, but... But yeah, um, I'm really excited for this. I watched the first one and I love the storyline. With this one, they're taking a little bit more of a like kind of father and son approach. <laughs> um, and it's so cute to see everything. Um, I love uh, Baby Yoda, as I'm sure everyone else does. But he's so cute, bro. He is like adorable. Yeah, I haven't seen The Mandalorian, but the all, all I know from it are all the Baby Yoda memes and just cute moments. Yeah, maybe I'll check that out if I get the chance, but... You should, but you should probably do your work first. (laughs) Sure! (laughs) But yeah, I also, last thing to mention with that is I also love that the, like, protagonist Pedro Pascal is playing um, the Mandalorian. Love, you know, some Hispanic representation. Let's go. So, yeah. Even though his face isn't shown. (laughs) But yeah. All right. Big for the past few months is the game Among Us. People have been playing it ever since quarantine. People were trying to find ways to socialize with their friends and still have (laughs) a good time. And basically Among Us became popular. This game that is basically Mafia. The game where like... There's an imposter among us, and one like they're gonna kill you unless you figure out who it is. But online, uh, we played it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing it a lot, dude. It. Let me be real. Some of the reason why I'm behind on my homework is kind of because of Among Us. Like there was this one day know, where all I did was play it, and I was up late at night. Just, I. It's kind of sad because I always want to be the imposter. And then I always get caught. It's, I think I'm smarter (laughs) than I am. 
<laughs> literally Dude, every I single be the time so bad it's just such a thrill you know but i'm so often really the crewmate is. and i'm just like i just want to kill some people in this game can you let me dude i really want to be the imposter because i just figured out that you can close doors as the imposter <laughs> and i just want to trap some people in and like that's the thing i did that i figured that out it. and i trapped everybody and then i realized that like there were two people and i was like if i kill one of you then i'll be caught and i was like you didn't think this through did you Dude, I was playing with our friend Anai yesterday, and then um, we were on like on a FaceTime call, and she hasn't played it as much because she's actually responsible about the work that she does. But there was a case where she was the imposter, and we were in one of the like rooms, and there was one other person with us. So then I was like, kill them, like go for it, like I won't tell anyone. <laughs> So she did it, but we didn't realize there was somebody behind that person. So they immediately reported the body Oof. and they were like, oh, Pink did it. And I was like, Oof. but yeah, it's these type of things where like, it's a really fun game. Definitely recommend playing It's just it. fun to be sneaky and to, um, it's also really fun. It sounds sadistic, but to get someone innocent voted out when you're Dude. the imposter, when you convince people that somebody yes. else is it, you feel this kind of like evil feeling in your heart like ha 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 like i got y'all <laughs> dude but it's yeah definitely a fun game it's been a great distraction in this time i mean i'm sure you all probably know on some more sci-fi related news um i was I was, um, I was on TikTok. Um, I'm back again at it. <laughs> I'm back at it again. Dang, that hiatus did not last long, did it? Okay, honestly though, I haven't been using it that much. But I guess sci-fi stuff has been like, is like definitely on my For You page a lot. So I was seeing this uh, TikTok that somebody made about a guy from, I think he goes, he's in, he goes to the University of Queensland. And he basically solved the paradox of time traveling so there's this gra grandfather paradox where it basically says that if you were to go back in time and kill your grandparent before they had your parent then you would technically be killing yourself i guess you guys can see where the paradox is created because if you kill yourself then how are you going to go back in time but this guy figured out I looked at his research paper that he wrote about this because this was literally just like um, published two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago in like late September. And I could not understand like what he was writing about <laughs> because bro, the math he was doing went completely over my head. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, he kind of figured out that to avoid this paradox, time kind of like heals itself. Well, if you were to make your grandparents not meet in the past, then you would find a way for, like time would find a way for them to meet again so that your parent could be born and then you would like survive and be born. So it's a really interesting concept. I will leave a link to the article, to the research paper in our like description. So if you guys want to like take a look at it, definitely go for it. But the name of the guy who discovered this is Jermaine Tobar um and he was he was doing some like investigating on the p possibility of time travel and he found something really cool dude like I guess you could say it takes us one step closer to being able to time travel but honestly I don't know how like important of a step it is like it's, it's an important step but I don't know like if I we're mean, ever gonna be able to see it ourselves which is kind of sad I'm looking at it right now. Are you looking at the um the research paper? Yeah. Yeah. Do I understand? No. But am I going to keep reading? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what can I say? I'm a curious cat. But um this when he kind of figured this out, it kind of reminded me of the movie um The Terminator where they their whole goal is constantly to be able to stop Skynet from happening but it always happens like if they stop it at this time period it will happen again like a couple years later indeed so i thought it was really interesting and that was kind of what umbrella academy was kind of too yeah with the whole concept of like 
the apocalypse following them. Fascinating. Fascinating. Oh, time travel. What a gross concept. <laughs> just like, just like what? Like, wow. There's so many factors. Dude, even mm. when the, even in the Avengers, when they were like explaining everything that was going on, the first time I, even the first time, even when I rewatched it, I was still a little bit like, what? Like, I don't completely get what they're trying to explain. It's I understood it, but I also had like some questions about it because there were think there were emphasis there was an emphasis on not changing the timeline. Like in in game, the whole point like don't change the timeline because it would go off in another direction. Like, but then there's the fact that it will always stay linear anyway. See, like I'm already like confusing myself by talking about it out loud, but when. Uh, Captain America decided to just like chill in another time. It's just like, does can is this possible without messing with? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, that movie definitely brought up some questions. Also, the fact that the the Infinity Stones needed to stay in a place in time, but if they were already destroyed, then why didn't why wasn't there some kind of catastrophic? whatever what her face was talking about see like i don't even know i'm gonna have to watch it again and but uh, sometimes it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's just for fun yeah <laughs> time travel stuff is just fun just to go into a world of hypotheticals <laughs> if you were to go back in time Thank you for joining us once again to our main course. Today, we will be bringing you something a little bit darker. I wouldn't say a little bit spicier because it's not like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we are delving into the infamous Netflix hit, You. Yes, You. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dude that name honestly it's a perfect name for such a creepy series because like i'm watching you exactly <laughs> dude like so the reason why this episode is called is named i see you is because um i was at i was doing this like college trip or whatever and um we had to fly out somewhere and i was we were flying back and i was waiting in the airport and i was watching you uh, I was watching the show you. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was watching you personally. <laughs> yes, we see you right now. Yes, yeah, so I was watching it on my lap and I had like a box of food that was covering it. And then one of the like um, staff members from our school, he came over and I guess because he saw me just looking down and he couldn't see my phone, he thought I was just like really sad and like looking at my lap or something. Um, so he was like, <laughs> he was like he like looks around and he's like oh oh you're watching something on your phone i was like oh yeah he's like i thought you were like just depressed or something and i was like no he's like what are you watching and then i, I looked him straight in the eye in his eyes and i'm like <laughs> i'm watching you and he just gave me such a surprised look he was like what and i was like oh i'm so sorry i was like i immediately my friend heard it too he started laughing and i was like oh no no like it's a show called you and it's about a murder it's whatever and oh um, yeah i thought it's it was a murder or whatever yeah you know just adding on to it but i think it's a genius name because of mm -hmm. all these little misinterpretations that happen i mean it's all about stalking and and what else would a stalker say other than you i'm watching i see you you <laughs> Okay, so You, as we mentioned before, is a Netflix show and it follows Joe Goldberg and his turbulent love life. If you can even call it a love life, but... <laughs> and it's actually based on a book titled You, um, and it's written by Caroline Kep... Kep... Kepnes? Kepnes? Kepnes, sure. Um, so actually, it started out on Lifetime. <laughs> And then, like, I read that and I immediately, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> Lifetime is kind of known for doing these shows about people being, like, kidnapped or something horrible happening to them that moms watch. And they're like, oh, my God. 
Like, <laughs> oh no, my my little girl's in danger. I know. She can't go to college or else she'll end up in a a, a babysitter fighting ring with strange old men. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Just That's really oddly specific, but specific. <laughs> yeah, Lifetime has a has a certain niche and you definitely fits in that. Once I learned that it was originally on Lifetime, it all made sense. I, everything made sense. <laughs> yeah. And surprisingly, it wasn't that big of a hit on Lifetime. But then once it went to Netflix, it just became... And I think that's because of the audience difference. Because on Netflix, it's a lot more of a younger audience. And as we will talk about later on, a lot of girls, could be guys too, but they're weirdly fan like fangirling over joe and kind of like crushing on him it's mm. we'll we'll Mm -hmm. get into that because it's it's a whole mess but i think a lot of people know the actor from gossip girl that's where i knew him from i kept calling him when i was watching it in my reactions i kept switching from saying joe to dan to I just I don't to all the fake names he gives himself. I was just calling him so many different names because I was so used to him being Dan Humphrey from Gossip Girl. Which that's another thing. I definitely believe this is a continuation in in canon in my mind. This is Dan Humphrey in the future. Oh my god! This is what I haven't watched Gossip Girl. Maybe I should get on that. <laughs> I I don't know. If I got really invested in that show and then when I finished it, I actually technically didn't finish it. I kind of skipped to the last episode of season six and then I realized that I had wasted because I this was back in the day when I was a binge. I keep saying back in the day, bro. I've said that quite a bit. Anyway, I can't <laughs> when I used to be like a huge binge watching addict, I watched the entirety of the season in like like the entire show in four days (laughs) and then I just thought about the fact that I just spent four days of my life watching this show that disappointed me (laughs) but okay maybe I won't watch it then I'm fine I'm fine the people love it I have some issues with it if you want to talk about it sometime I would be glad to yeah and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Lucifer talked about it before great show because it also (laughs) the original network that it came out on it wasn't it wasn't popular but then when it got on netflix boom boom bada bing bada boom bam so penn badgley who plays joe and dan in gossip girl he was reluctant to play the role of joe because of the show's portrayal as a love story and i think he does a really good job of just calling out people who kind of idolize joe like i was we love a self-aware actor yes that's really important for him to do that to be aware of what his role actually stands for because in a show like this some people do like to glorify this toxic behavior Mm -hmm. make it look cute but that's what the show is bringing out is the idea that this behavior isn't cute it's stalkerish and while a rom-com might try to tell you, oh, he's just following you to keep you safe. It's like, no, no, he is murdering the people around you. And we'll get to that. In order that's, to manipulate that's your what life I'm and trying decisions. to like, that's what I'm trying to like bring to light. That's kind of why I wanted to make this episode. Okay, let's continue. I'll, we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, like I saw him do, like there was some girl who tweeted something about like gushing over Joe or something. And he was like, um, he's a murderer. Period plain straight just he Period. is like let's not like try to overanalyze like no he's a murderer and you shouldn't be idolizing him like this the way that this episode is gonna kind of gonna be structured is that i want to first of all talk about the whole theme of love and toxic love that it brings up and then we're gonna go a little bit into season two and kind of what happened what we thought about it because i really found that one the most shocking of the two yes so 
we won't be going so much into the plot points in the beginning. We will talk more about what we found interesting towards the end. Okay, so right off the bat, what did you think of the beginning of the first episode of the first season? Okay. I don't know. I'd known so much about the show already. Like, I hadn't watched the show before, but I knew pretty much what the show was about and most of the major plot points. So as I was watching, I was kind of like, Joe, Joe, Joe. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was really, I, I don't know how to s- describe the way I was following this story because it, it's a strange thing because you know he's a creep and you know he's creepy, but he's also the protagonist. So I'm in this strange world where I'm not rooting for him, but I'm not rooting against him either. I'm just watching it happen. I'm just like, stop being a creep, Joe. You could do better, Joe. Your life is ahead of you, Joe. I know this is very different from the question you asked me, but basically (laughs) that's what I'm saying is when I opened, when I watched the first episode, I wasn't at all alarmed by Joe's creepy, like following behavior because I knew it was coming. And so (laughs) I was just present. I think that when I first watched it, I didn't know anything about the show. So I was introduced to it and I, I kind of went from just being like, oh, he's just like a dude hitting on a girl, like whatever. Then he started getting creepier and creepier. And when, when I went back and listened to the first episode, I was struck by how, how condescending he sounds the entire time. Like when mm. I first watched it, I was like, oh, he's a narrator. He's just explaining, you know? And since it was a new show, I was kind of getting a feel for it. But once I listen to it back and to all the listeners, if you want to also do this, you kind of if you pay attention to what he's saying, he's always making assumptions about Beck or about the people around her based on what he can see from just looking at her or from what he can see from social media. Hello there. Who are you? Based on your vibe. Student. Your blouse is loose. You're not here to be ogled, but those bracelets, they jangle. You bite a little attention. Okay. I bite. That's what's really cool about the narration is the way we can view his cognitive functions. Mm -hmm. The way that he is allowed to rationalize his behavior. The way that he convinces himself of things in order to deal with the consequences of his actions. We get to see the way his brain works. and really like we're digesting it at at in the moment thinking wow this guy really finds ways to make the situation fit his perceptions yeah and i think that one of the consequences of this is also that the viewers also start to rationalize it like he does because you are just seeing kind of his perspective and you're seeing his rationale and you can be like mm, i mean he does make a point but he's a murderer okay I think that's part of the, the way that's where that mixed feeling of whether rooting, whether to root for him or not to root for him is. It's because he's the protagonist and you can hear his thought processes and you see the life that he lives that you're kind of just like, go live your life, Joe. But then like you also remember, no, no, no. Him living his life is killing people. So <laughs> you begin to question, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who am I watching this for? Who do I want? Yeah, because I want the innocent people to make it out of here alive. That should be the goal. And I mean, in that show, there is no real like in at least in the first season. I don't really know if there's anyone who's innocent. They're all kind of like just like bad people. I don't want to say no, bad people. No just one in the world people. is innocent. I just think that the easiest answer is don't murder people. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think that's. The- I th- yeah so. That was a that was another thing. Joe did a lot of projecting on other people. He would project his issues onto them, and I'm like, "Yes, they are doing this, but uh, takes one to know one, bud." <laughs> That's how he'd end up killing people. Is he'd be like, "They deserved it." And I'm like, "Well, if they did, so do you, because you do this exact same thing." <clears throat> this kind of brings me to the first theme or point that i wanted to talk about was that while i was doing research for the show um 
I came about like this whole idea that you kind of shouldn't allow someone to do abuse, have abusive behavior just because they say that they love you or that they're doing it for, to take care of you. And I think this is one of the things that the show really brings out because while he's doing everything, he's supposedly doing everything in the name of love, in the name of protecting Beck because he knows better than her, which he's a stranger. Like, how would he know better than her in her life? And that's kind of, as I rewatched the first season a little bit, I really started to get annoyed at how condescending he is because you're not, I wasn't looking at it anymore as like, oh, like he loves her. I'm like, no, he's just thinking that he has the right to tell her what to do because he's seeing it from an outside perspective and he thinks he's no, he knows what's up. Yeah, he has this tendency to, especially with Beck, who was the character in the first one, the love interest, love interest. <laughs> his victim in the first yes, one. One of his victims. Um, he had a way of interpreting who she was. And when she began not to fit his interpretation of her, he was so upset and angry and ugh, disgusting. Something he said to the kid that lived across the hall who he often was nice to because he has this thing with kids. It's not bad. That's the only good thing about him is his things with kids. Mm -hmm. But um, he told this kid, sometimes we do bad things for the people we love. Doesn't mean it's right. It just means that love is more important. And so when he said this, it just put into context everything, every, everything that he does, he puts in the context of love. Yeah. Because I did it for love, it is okay. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he's not doing it for love. He's just convinced himself that that is what he's done. When in reality, he is manipulating life to fit an unrealistic lens and putting other people in danger because of it. Yeah, and although people can say that they have defi different definitions of love, I think that love, y when you ex when you somebody loves you, you kind of expect them to love who you are as a like in that moment, not who you can be and how you can change. Because then they're not really loving you; they're loving an idea of you. Yeah, of you, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Okay, so there's this whole. Um, they did this like count of how many times they said you in the in like the whole show and in the first episode it was and they said you the most because he's constantly like being like so like, i see oh, you i see you doing you. this um why are you hanging out with ben? whatever he says but he's a creep hello hello this is your captain speaking also known as Editing Alana, we are entering Spoilerville. If you haven't watched this, then enter at your own risk. If you have, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Also, when you really look at what he's doing, he's not helping her in any way. Mm -mm. He's literally just hurting her. Like, yes, in the first season, Beck's boyfriend, Benji, he was not a good boyfriend. I don't even know. Were they even dating? Like, it was weird. But, yeah, you know, he was an idiot, whatever you want to call him. Her best friend, Peach, was condescending and would was also probably not the best person. But did they deserve to die for that? It's really funny how he could have been fine and gotten back if he just stopped murdering people. Like, he could be pretty chill in the moment. I'm like, wow, so you can act like this and then you're just going to go and murder people. Like, Benji, who was the first boyfriend, he was obnoxious and mean. She liked you when you first met. If you just continued to be a nice person, mm -hmm. she probably would have dumped Benji and ended up with you. But that's the other thing. If she didn't do that, if she continued to pursue this toxic relationship, it's not your responsibility. Mm -hmm your job to quote unquote fix it for her because instead he just caused her a lot of grief in her life she lost somebody who she thought was important to her she lost her best friend she had to go to therapy for that yeah there's a saying in spanish 
that you basically you can take a horse to a river, but you can't force it to drink. So I think this is something that he just doesn't understand is that he can help her, but he can't make decisions for her that are life changing or that she doesn't want to be made or doesn't know should be made. And also when you're in a relationship with someone, friendship, relationship, like um, between lovers or whatever, you just kind of have to accept that sometimes there's people around them that aren't the, that are annoying, but if they care for them, maybe they just care for them in a different way than you do. Mm-hmm. And you, your perspective is not the be all, like it's not the end. Yeah. Your responsibility is to help them see it. Like if you see someone is toxic for them, your responsibility is to be like, hey, I think they're toxic for you. But you have no right to step into their lives and try to influence their relationships and, you know, murder their friends because you think they're bad for you. Exactly. That shouldn't go. You shouldn't have to tell people that. (laughs) Watching this, some of y'all need to know. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. We're kind of saying this because when we say you, we're literally saying like, Joe, listen up. Joe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Joe, listen up. This isn't right. (laughs) Like, just really think about it. Think about who he was really helping. And in reality, it was just himself. Exactly. He wanted the ideal girl, the ideal love story, the one he could tell his kids. We met at the bookstore and we went through all this great tragedy together and we came out. Oh my God. That's another thing that he talks about was that he, another way that he kind of is portrayed as like the perfect man or whatever. I don't even know. Like the fact that he's always talking about doing it the old way, the old fashioned way, the traditional way of like um, pursuing her in these ways that like a lot of people kind of fantasize because a lot of people are like, oh, like love now in the modern day is just about like texting them like come over or whatever and he was like doing more than that it's like just because he's saying that he's doing something in a way that's desirable or that a lot of people find attractive does not justify again all the actions that he's doing all of his reasonings were manipulative he wanted to create a vision of himself that wasn't actually the reality yeah, just somebody can be sweet and always know how to say the right things, but they can still be toxic or a murderer. <laughs> and also... That always goes back to the murder. <laughs> yeah, also, even his relationships with the kids around him, where he was being, like, sweet to them or whatever, he ended up hurting them as well. It was pretty bad, um, especially the second time around. He he had a soft spot for the kids around him because they were it I think he just it reminded him of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the times he was reminded of his childhood and he didn't want to see a child hurting like that. So oftentimes he would support them in very friendly ways that were great. And then there were very problematic ways where he'd bring his stalker murder tendencies in on their lives which will psychologically affect them in the future emotionally wreck them currently because it's like you can say he saved them from their current physical strife but he's probably caused a lot of pain like his neighbor in the first season had an abusive stepfather or just an abusive his mother's boyfriend Mm -hmm. was very abusive The good things that Joe did was he would, you know, take him out and, you know, take him places that are nice and fun so that he could get his mind off the house. He helped him read, gave him books to read. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff where it's like, Joe, if you just did this stuff. (laughs) If you just didn't mess with people's lives more than a normal person. Because then he taught this kid that he that's when he said that quote of sometimes we do bad things for the people we love. And basically said, told this kid that murder's okay if you love someone. So I'm like, hopefully this kid doesn't grow up to be a murderer like you, Joe. I think it would be interesting if we saw a little bit more about the kid. Like, just in a, um, in a, in the third season, like, in the He's news. He's in jail. Yeah, like, in the news, they're like. <laughs> he got a girlfriend. They're like, 15-year-old murdered 
girlfriend's murdered somebody girlfriend's yeah parents or something like that in the background and from like new york that would be kind of cool and he's like i did it for you and she's like oh oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah like as much as you want somebody to care for you and go above and beyond there's a limit like you can't mess with people's lives like that this also kind of reminded me of a previous movie that we talked about 365 days <laughs> because again it's portraying this always comes up again and again yes it's it's just joe thinks he's massimo that's what he thinks he <laughs> and it, it 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 proves what we were talking about when we watched that movie we were saying that if they just changed the music this could be a horror movie and you proves exactly that a lot of rom-coms a lot of these tropes that are portrayed as wonderful and desirable actually you're putting a pretty face and nice music to disguise a situation that is abusive and dangerous and we're not saying that um a man or a woman who's strong protective or whatever is bad but they're just like everything else in life there's a limit to how much you shouldn't eat too much candy you shouldn't eat too much of anything therefore you shouldn't do too much with messing in someone's life or saying that you're doing it because of a good yeah. cause or whatever. Like to, pre- it's just that it's, it's boundaries is what that is. Like with being protective of someone you love is recognizing boundaries and where they lie. You know, like you're, you're protective over somebody in a situation that's dangerous. You're just like, but if you start infringing on their independence and they make it clear that they don't like that or you are manipulating them behind the scenes, that is stuff that's just, that's not protective. That's just manipulative, abusive, rude. <laughs> that's just rude. Don't be rude. <laughs> also, don't be rude. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I guess my biggest point point that I was trying to get across is that a lot of people are attracted to Joe, but like the actor, Penn Badgley says, he's a murderer. And you can't forget that when you're, a, you, when you're discussing him or when you're kind of trying to justify his actions, because there is no real justification for murder in his case he put it as if it was out of self-defense sometimes like with peach where he was peach was the supreme example of of rationalization when he attacked peach the first time he was running and then he was like she's bad for beck she deserves this and he like hit her with a rock and he was like oh no she got hit with a rock and she was like, he was like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And he was, his thoughts were racing really quickly. And then all of a sudden he started saying, no, no, no. I didn't hit her with a rock. She fell. She fell. She hit her head. It mm-hmm. was really bad. That's right. She fell. An accident happens all the time. She was running and she fell into a rock over and over again. Okay, let's be real. She was attacked. Someone attacked her, but maybe they had a good reason, right? She forced my hand. I'm not a bad person. She was going to ruin you, but you're safe now, thanks to me. I'm brave. He, he changed it from what I did was really bad to that was really bad to, oh, nothing happened at all. <laughs> and so you see that he created this whole narrative in his head and then his, his thoughts start slowing down. And you realize this is how he gets through the horror mm-hmm. that he does. He changes his perception of it into something that is more palatable and something that supports his idea that I'm doing this for love. And so he can calm himself down. And that's exactly the problem. This shows how that idea is so dangerous to say you're doing something for love because you can convince yourself, you can convince yourself of anything. And uh, again, for anyone who kind of wants to say that he did it for love if you look at the second season and spoiler this is the second season if you haven't watched it this is kind of like the whole 
main plot point at the end. When Love killed Delilah for love of Joe, he literally was so mad. He was like, she's crazy. <laughs> he was scared. That cracked me up. And I was like, up. but isn't this what you do? I was just like, you're just looking in the mirror, isn't buddy. Isn't this what you do? Exactly. Even he could tell that that wasn't right because he wasn't, I guess, because he wasn't rationalizing it or whatever, but it just shows you that that's not what love is. For the first season, at the end of the day, if you really do love someone, if you really did love her, then why did he kill her? He just loved the idea of her. And when she didn't follow suit, he had to get, get rid of her. And then he was... I mean, he was dealing with the guilt of it, but he he wouldn't allow himself to, you know, like I said earlier, he just creates this narrative in his head in order to help him feel better about the fact that he murdered someone he claimed to love. Yeah. Somebody who trusted him. Okay, so let's get into the second season. This season, wow, I really liked it. Um... One of the things that I that stood out to me was the scene where he's cutting up the guy that was coming after him. And then it was like a montage between him cutting him up and then love like cooking. And like right before <laughs> it would show like him about to like actually touch the skin with the knife. And then it would cut to love cutting the piece of like chicken or whatever she was cooking. I love that scene. I thought it was so well done. <laughs> Not for anything weird. I just That's think just... the way that it was like put together. Oh, wow. Delicious. <laughs> like it made me not want to eat at all. But the way that it was put together. <laughs> ingenious. I was eating. I was pretty, I'm pretty sure while I was watching this entire show. I ate a cherry pop tart for the first time. That, that was most. I recorded my reaction for this. But I think the majority of my reaction was me reacting to the cherry pop tart. <laughs> that was an interesting scene to eat while. To watch while eating a cherry pop tart. <laughs> oh my god, the red. <laughs> no, this season, like, I knew a lot about the show beforehand. That's what was really unfortunate. And, but I could observe the show from a different perspective because I didn't have to get attached to anyone, at least. Like, I knew what would happen to people. And I'm like, except for I did get attached to Delilah. Oops. My bad. I think Delilah. I forgot she what happened to her. <laughs> I oh my god. I I was so mad about what happened to her. Because I felt like it there there was no real reason for it to have happened. She was going to be fine. Joe didn't need to put her in the box and love just love just killed her, bro. I think it especially hit because it was a sister relationship and I thought about my own sister. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, how that was her family and the only family she had left. I was like, you don't do that. You don't do that. And then when love was trying to like justify it and be like, um, because of the scandal, she's going to get a lot of money and then she's going to be able to jumpstart her career. It's like, that's not important. And it says she'll be okay. That's not important. And I'm like, no, she's not going to be okay. Because no matter how much she yelled and screamed at her sister, her sister was an important constant in her mm-hmm. life, an important source of love and support that you just ripped from her. Okay. What do you think? Of Joe as a father and love as a mother. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know what to say. I think I find it funny that Joe got everything he wished for. He wished for mm, yes. the love of his life, which that's love. Somebody who who would understand him. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough. She does understand him. That's what's she had that whole speech about how she was like, you, you were living in a fantasy world and I was in Mm -hmm. reality. I was in reality. I knew exactly who you were. And I was like, that was, that's what makes her different from you, Joe, is she can live in reality with what she's done and she knows who you are, which is, but you, you've been making this fantasy version of her, which is a little bit worse Um, it is worse well yes she's like accepting what he's doing at least him and the horrible person he is he's trying to justify it because he still has some sense of morality 
I think that with her, because she lives in reality, it's worse because that means no matter what, she will justify what she's done. But for him, a lot of it, like, for example, he admitted to killing Beck because he started feeling guilty for it. Of course, it would have been better if he um, didn't do it at all. (laughs) But, like, there's the fact that there is a switch in his head where he can deal with reality. He just probably will never choose to, which that's bad. But at least we know it exists. Rather, with love, it's like, because she lives in this reality, she will kill anyone. And, and it has to do with a privilege thing, money. She knows that she can always cover it up. Yeah. As a serial killer, yeah, she has the best of both Joe is world. a father. <laughs> <laughs> She's living the life. Dude, she had such a normal life. Like baking and stuff. Anyway, um, I think as a mother and a father, for I don't know how long this is gonna last. I don't know if they're gonna mess this kid. I up. I feel so bad for the kid. They're gonna, kid's be so gonna be so controlling. Because uh, I know, right? Joe's so creepy. I know I said the thing about him being good with kids, but like he's there's a way in which he's good with kids and a way in which he's terrible with kids with the fact that he literally put a tracking device on a teenager's phone that he had just met two days ago. Yes. Creepy. And he was like, I'm like a father to her. And I'm like, if this is how you're going to treat your children, I'm scared that you are going to end up murdering one of her friends one day. Just because and they didn't. That's probably to what's going to happen. It, it, yeah. If, when they have a child, these kids are going to end up with parents that keep, like, their friends keep disappearing. They're like, why won't uh, Billy Joe. Kayla come play with me? And Joe's like, well, Kayla, Kayla ran away. Oh, no, but really, Kayla's in the basement. They killed Kayla. And <laughs> there's no basement in California. And they're just trying to figure out where to so. put her. <laughs> oh, dang. Wow. <laughs> the more you know. Kayla's in the attic then. Yeah. I th- that was something I found a little bit weird when I <clears throat> visited California. There, there was no basements. And I was like, oh. so where do you hide your bodies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where do you put your bodies, guys? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The neighbor. So in the end, in the final episode, we see Joe moving into his new house with love, you know, white picket fence and everything and then he's looking over at a neighbor at the neighbor and she you know she's minding her own business reading a book and he's starting again his vicious cycle of making all these judgments about her and acting like he knows her just from the few moments he sees her the thing is he had just convinced himself like there was the emphasis on crime and punishment and how he had willingly walked into his own prison with love. But he, he was saying that at least this is, this is the life I always asked for and I can have the marriage and the love. Like he really almost did it. And then he was like, but then I saw you and I was like, of course you, of mm-hmm. course, Joe, of course. This is just the beginning. Because this is where I had to be. Exactly where I had to be to meet you. Just so... Because I'm not sure. I feel like because the first time with Beck... Well, I guess the first time was technically with Candace. The first time he went full-on psycho murderer. The second time was a more methodical murder her friends approach the third time he didn't murder any of her friends he murdered other people's friends but not love's friends (laughs) so i'm just like there's a i'm just thinking he has he hasn't changed but what i'm saying is his methods have changed and so i'm very curious as to how this third time will be different especially because the love situation was such a such a twist you know Mm -hmm. that he ended up attaching himself to somebody who knew what she was getting into she knew that she was getting in relationships with a possible murderer 
Or at least when she figured it out, she was like, yeah, okay. That just shows you how crazy he is. Because he he has what he wants, but it's not what he really wants. Like, what do you want? Yeah. He, it shows you that no matter what, no matter how many times he tells this story, he will always say that the person in front of him is the love of his life. He will always attach an ideal to somebody. That's the thing. That's the thing that doesn't change is he will always attach an ideal to somebody else, despite the fact that he has achieved whatever it is that he was looking for in the first place. Okay. So another really big character in the second season was Candace, the ex-girlfriend. Oh my God. Do you think what she did was right? Not going to the police. Wait. Not going to the police, trying to find justice on her own? No. That was very dumb. That was very dumb. I felt so bad for her. Um, Because, once again, like, when when she first showed up, and the way uh, Joe was telling the story was like, oh my god, Candace is here. She's here to ruin my life. And I was like, dang, what did she do to you? And then we find out that he buried her alive, and we're like, oh. So this isn't, she's a monster. This is you not being able to deal with the fact that you are a monster. Mm -hmm. And so Candace, after going to the police and the police basically refusing her, she decided to hunt Joe down, find him, and expose him for who he is. But I think that the way that she did it, here's the thing, you can never play a manipulative a manipulative person's game. That's the worst thing you can do because a manipulative person, this is like, this is their life. This is how they maintain themselves. This is how they survive. Manipulation is a first instinct to them, not to you. Candace was a person who attempted to play Joe's game, which you can't do that. And um, I mean... In her defense, though, I think that for what she did, she did it well. It's just that she kind of had bad luck with who she told being loved. Yeah. Because when she told That's, 40, yeah. like a normal person would react and be would react negatively, negatively towards Joe's actions. But she just kind of got unlucky with love being in love with Joe and being a murderer as well. I but think I Candace think should have told the police, period. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I think that once she had collected the evidence that she had, she shouldn't have stayed close to the family mm-hmm. as she did. Because I think, I think Joe was right in saying that you don't want, he was like, you don't want justice, you want revenge or something like that. Which I think once again that's his distorted view of things but i do think she was trying to directly impact joe the way that he had directly impacted her when in reality she would never get what she wanted from that confrontation joe would never apologize joe would never face what he did confess to what he did until the end you know he did end up doing what she had wanted him to do all along but then you know Love ended up killing her, so it didn't matter. But basically, Candace should have gone to the police and not have relied solely on herself. It would have been better if she had gained a support group. But of course, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah, I think she did. She did a really good job of scaring him and of putting herself in a position of power over him. But... She just really messed up on if she would have if she would have been like um, tormenting him from afar, maybe I think it would have worked out a lot better. Okay, so Ellie, we see that she she's devastated about what happened to her sister and she's kind of sent off, I believe, to Florida. Um, What do you think is going to happen to Ellie? I'm not sure. Uh, Nothing great. I think that he... He messed up her life. Mm -hmm. But not just just him. It was love. Um, 
But of course, it's his fault that Delilah was anywhere in danger in the first place. I think he messed her up more than he messed up the last kid. Because at least with the last kid, he had saved him from an abusive situation. Um, Saved him from death. Because the last kid was about to get killed by by his mom's boyfriend. So at least in that case, there was a situation that he could help with this child from. But in this case, he destroyed her life more than he had helped her. And it's really unfortunate. And there was the fact that the entire season she was like, I'm I'm almost 16, emphasizing her maturity. And then at the end, she said, I'm just 15. So she mm-hmm. had gone through this whole realization that she was just a kid. She wanted to make herself look more mature. But once she didn't have her sister and this grown man is like, here, make a new life for yourself. She's like, I am 15 years old. So, um, yeah, I don't think when that, that would be wild if these kids come back in the future and we see them Mm -hmm. and we see in what ways they've been messed up or in what ways they've turned their life around. Maybe. Yeah. So my predictions is that I think love is going to kill the neighbor. If he does go Uh after her, she's going to kill him. Her. Sorry. I don't think I can predict anything because I don't know how close Joe will be able to get to this neighbor. We don't know anything about this neighbor. We don't know what Joe's new game is. Because in the first one, Joe's game was pretty much falling in love, finding love. But in the second one, he was actually avoiding his murder stalker tendencies. I mean, he wasn't avoiding his stalker tendencies. He still stalked her. But I mean, he was trying to at first. He made a narrative where he was just like, I can't put love in danger. So he was aware that he was putting these people in harm's way in the second one. So I'm just, I'm not sure how this next part yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's going to... Because there are two murderers in the game now. Yeah, well... It could be just murder roulette. I'm anybody, saying anybody goes. he does go after her and Love finds out, I think she's going to do it because she'll do anything <laughs> for her little family, right? And then also, I think, and I kind of hope Elle comes, Ellie comes back and haunts him. I want to see more of her. I want to know what happens to her because it's a really difficult situation where you're 15 and then you're like told live your life okay also another thing that i quickly wanted to touch upon was uh, i saw on instagram a whole bunch of like memes not how much this meme that's just repeatedly shown up in my feed of people showing like saying like he's a murderer and he's disgusting but what really got me was when they're him and love are laying down and they're saying i woof you to each other <laughs> Like, wolf, that's such an interesting word to choose. <laughs> kind of like, you know, a predator. Like, <laughs> I wolf you. Like, they devour other people. <laughs> yeah, I was, oh my God, when they said that, love. I literally thought they were wolves. They were wo- wolves in sheep's clothing. Ah, indeed. They are. Mm-hmm. They literally act like sheeps. Sheeps. <laughs> that's cute. Sheeps. But yeah, they act like sheep. Okay, so to end off this episode, I'm just going to talk a little bit, give you some facts about the show overall. So the facade of the bookstore in the first season is an actual bookstore on the Upper East Side of Manhattan called Logos Bookstore. So if you live in New York, maybe check it out. Take a couple pictures. (laughs) Don't do what he did. (laughs) Don't murder anyone and hide them in the basement. I wonder if it does have a basement like that. (laughs) I mean... I mean, clearly it had some kind of door in that back room. Unless they made that, they could have made a set that looked like it Maybe. for that back room. But, but it also makes sense some for kind a of back room. Yeah, to, to store stuff in. Mm-hmm. And then they just made it creepy looking for the show. Yeah. Um, also in the novel, Candace, Joe's old girlfriend, was murdered 
was drowned and in the second in the actual show they decide to bring her back but that that does change a little that changes things for me and i kind of want to read the book just to see her effects or if like in the book the way that she affects him is more through his like mental lapses where he's remembering where he's like imagining that she's still there i think that's probably what i've I've, if there were people who were fans of the book that watched the show that's probably what shocked them the most was finding out that candace was alive and being like huh (laughs) that's not what happened the majority of the cast directors and writers were women which kind of explains why it's such a good series even though it shows a lot of really bad things it's really well done I think it's very important because sometimes, I don't know, there are certain perspectives in in shows, in Hollywood movies that have been perpetuated and repeated. And it's very important that we get people who are writing, writing the story differently to show that it is not a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> These murderers. Yeah. No, I don't want a murderer. No, thank you. So overall, I would encourage you to look back at the show with this new lens and see how you see it differently and see how condescending Joe is and to just end it all off. We also have a survey if you want to fill it out. It's a feedback survey. It helps us out with knowing what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, where we can improve. And just if you have any suggestions for shows, we're more than open to take those in. (laughs) bro we forgot to rank it oh my goodness well this is gonna have to wait for another day if you enjoyed the podcast a new episode will be released when i get my life together until then my friends stay safe and enjoy the spooky season i'll be